Your presence brings us peace and it strengthens us. Your forgiveness encourages us. Your grace amazes us. We thank you for being with us in this time of Holy Communion. But when we're in your presence, we're always reminded of your greatness and, and our weakness and our failings. Um, we want to be like you. We want to do what is right. But like the Apostle Paul said, uh, so often the thing we want to do, we just don't do. So we, we need that grace that you have. And we appreciate it very much. And thank you for loving us and for forgiving us and for giving us yet another chance to move forward into the coming week and to grow closer to you and to walk more closely with you than we did in the week that's passed. Thank you, Jesus, we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, I'm excited to uh, be here with you on this Thanksgiving Sunday as we are going to take a look at some things that are important to, uh, uh, to this time of, of, of Thanksgiving. And the thing I want to talk to you today is about Psalm 103. So if you want to get your Bibles and kind of mark that ahead, we'll, we'll be there in a few moments in this, in this sermon. Now, I don't know who did it. It might have been one of you, but someone who has visited my home, I think, decided that I needed something because they sent me a subscription to Better Homes and Gardens. So they decided I must need a better home. I must need something better than what I have, and, and, I, I, and that's okay. It's an interesting magazine, right? If you've read Better Homes and Gardens, I've never paid for one, but, but I have it, and it has recipes, it has pictures of really elaborate Thanksgiving tables and Christmas tables, beautiful rooms and, and, and beautiful... Uh, lawnscapes, and all kinds of things in the magazine. It's kind of fun to read, I guess. I've looked at it a few times. Well, today, as I think about Thanksgiving, I want to take you to a psalm, a psalm of David, where, where David kind of takes us on a journey uh, through some of the things, a Better Homes and Gardens tour, if you will, uh, of his life and of a palace and of some things that have happened there. Now, as we go on that journey, I need to tell you up front that Psalms 103 has a partnering text, and it's Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a terrible, terrible time for David. In Psalm 51, he's been caught in a sin. In Psalm 51, he says things like, my sin is always before me. Uh, in Psalm 51, David laments that he, he may never, he fears he may never uh, be right. His only hope is that God is merciful. Why was that the story for David? You know David's story. Uh, adultery, murder, deceit. David's uh, life had been a disaster. The young man who had so much promise, a man whose heart was after the heart of God, had failed. And although for a time he thought that was a secret, his moral failure became public. It devastated him. So he said things like, my sin is always in front of me. I can't get away from it. That's Psalm 51. But you know that God doesn't leave us in a horrible place. He brings us there sometimes to help us move through it, to overcome things. And that's the story of David. So Psalms 103 is a little bit further forward in time. 
David has, by the grace of God, overcome a lot of the things that have burdened him and worn him down. And as we read this, it's a powerful thanksgiving message. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's just jump right in here, and I want to open it up. It says this, David starts by saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, this is an interesting thing. Do you ever talk to yourself? I don't know. You might get in trouble for that, but that's what David is doing here. He is saying to himself, man, you got to get out of the doldrums. You got to stop thinking about all the wrong stuff. You got to get, get rid of that stinking thinking. He says, listen, to, he's talking to himself. My soul, listen, this part of me, this spirit part of me, bless the Lord. You have reason to bless the Lord. Don't, don't be so down in the dumps. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, all my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Now, I love verse 3, and I told you this is a journey like a Better Homes and Gardens magazine, and, and if David was the editor of the magazine, then the first place he takes us is an unlikely room. He's going to show us all kinds of rooms in this psalm, but the first room is the courtroom. He takes us first and foremost to the courtroom, and he goes there, and listen to what he says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. David takes us into the courtroom where he hears the verdict, not guilty. Not guilty. Such verdicts are always controversial. There's always someone who doesn't want to accept the not guilty plea. There's always someone who's ecstatic about it, (laughs) the person who receives it. David is going to tell us in a few more verses that not only did God say not guilty, but as far, David, as the east is from the west, that's how far away all that garbage and that sin is from you. Well, the courtroom, not guilty. That's a powerful statement. And he takes us then from the courtroom to the hospital. Listen to the next thing he says in verse 3. Who healeth all thy diseases... Now, our experience is that God does not always heal us physically in this life. We know that. Uh, There are people that you have prayed for and I have prayed for that have been healed, they have recovered, and we are quick to give God praise for those moments. But there are others that we pray for earnestly. We want a miracle, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem that it happens. That's also part of our experience. We understand that God doesn't always heal physically in this life. We don't always get what we're hoping for. The Apostle Paul experienced that. The Apostle Paul regularly said that he had a thorn in his flesh. And we don't know if that was a psychological thing or if it was a physical thing. We don't know for sure what that was. But he had a burden that he bore his whole life. He also had bad eyesight. And from everything that we can read and understand about his life, God never healed him of any of those things. He said, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. But I want you to think about something. If you were to be able to pull back the curtain and look into heaven today, you would see that Paul is restored and healed completely. 
There is no more thorn. There is no difficulty in seeing. Understand this. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 tells us that by his stripes as the stripes of Christ we're healed. The promise of heaven is there's no heart disease there. It's a good thing because we're going to spend a lot of time at a banqueting table. (laughs) There's no cancer there. There's no COVID in heaven. David said he heals our diseases. I like what he says next. He takes us to another place, and boy, this is a place we just don't want to go. If it was the palace, it would be the dungeon. And the experience that David knows and understands, it's like an old well that's been abandoned. It's just a miry pit, and in the bottom there's wet clay. The pit. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. One verse says, who redeems my life from the pit. There's a story in the Bible that really illustrates this idea well. Remember the story of Joseph in Genesis? His brothers do what to him? They throw him down in an old well in the desert. They do that for a reason, right? It is almost like an attempt to kill him. If you left him there, he would surely have died. But it's a horrible place, the pit. See, what happens if a person falls down in one of these holes that were dug, hand dug, uh, and you're covered in the slime of the bottom? You can try all day. There's no way you would be able to climb out. You'd, you could try and try and try until the flesh came off your fingers, but you would not get out of the pit. Also, what's bad about the pit is everything in the desert that's seeking a cool place and seeking water manages to find its way down there with you. So spiders, scorpions, snakes, rats. Yeah. Not a very good place. The pit's a cruel place, and in medieval times and in ancient times, it was a place that you put people that you just wanted to go away. And so people were even legally thrown down, and their slaves were sometimes thrown into those places. It was humiliating, it was overwhelming, it was terrifying. David says, I was in the pit. Remember Psalm 51? (laughs) I was in the hopeless place, the helpless place. I was overwhelmed. But he rescued me. He rescued my life from destruction. Boy, he had many times, including against a giant once. And in the beautiful narrative style of David, he takes us from the pit to the next place is the palace. And I love what happens next. It says, he crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. We are crowned with love and with compassion. Several years ago on sabbatical, I had the opportunity to visit London, England, to see the Tower of London. Some of you have been there. The Tower of London holds the crown of Queen Elizabeth. Do you know that in that crown, there are 3,733 jewels. There are 2,000 diamonds. 200 pearls, 17 sapphires, 11 enormous emeralds, and five enormous rubies. Many say that it is the most valuable piece of jewelry on the planet and maybe the finest collection of gems in the world. It's a magnificent crown, fit for a king or for a queen. But I want you to understand something. God crowns us 
with something far more valuable than Queen Elizabeth's crown. David said, he crowns us with love. He crowns us with compassion. Indeed, Jesus knows a lot about crowns. You see, Jesus wore not a fine crown like Elizabeth's, but he wore a crown of thorns. Why did he do that? He did that so that you could wear a crown of glory. David says he crowns us. He elevates us from the bottom of the pit all the way to the palace. Not only that, David says it's time for us to go to the banqueting hall. He says, he satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. He satisfies our hunger. He meets our needs. Virgil reminded me of that great passage in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus is speaking. He says, well, what father among you uh, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone or a snake. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more so your father in heaven. David says, God has brought me to his banqueting hall. He has put the best things out there for me and I, I have enjoyed them. I am satisfied in them. He has met my needs. And I wonder for you today, what are your needs? Where is the area that, that you long for satisfaction and fulfilling what is that area in your life? Is it a matter of finance? Is it a matter of health? Is it a matter of emotion? Is it a matter of relationships? Is it, a, is, is it a, a, a sense that you need more peace in your life or more strength in your life? What do you need? What is it that you're seeking after? I want you to hear this, these words of Jesus. He said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things will be given to you as well. And understand this, as David, who was once a shepherd boy, understood it, he understood that if God is our shepherd, we will not want and we will not lack. David's telling himself, hey, you better be blessing the Lord here. You have a lot of reasons to be thankful, David. You have a lot of reasons to not be in the doldrums and, and not to be overwhelmed. There's a lot of good things God's doing for you. You need to take heart and listen to, your, to those things. Remember those things. And so David now kind of moves from, from those things. And he experienced all of them towards a, a studious, if you would, he, a, very, uh, a very intellectual, very heady reflections about to take place. And he, he's really going to intently think about God. And I want to stop and say I encourage all of us, we, we should spend time thinking about God and what God wants and what God's doing. Those are important things to do. When we see things on TV or we see things happening in our life, it's a good question to ask, what's, what's, where's God in this? I think the world's been asking that question. You know, we've shifted. In the world right now, there's been a pretty big shift, right? We were once a culture that was obsessed with money. It was the most important thing in our culture. But if you recognize something, like it's hard to get people in the job and the workspace right now and all those things, at least in this moment, we're a culture that now values something above money for the moment.
time. People value time right now. They want to be in control of it because they recognized in the world we're not in control. And time can be short. And in this moment of disease, everyone's had to face the reality that this could bring death. We've had our existential moment in the world. And we're still figuring it all out. David would say, listen, think deep thoughts right now. Ask questions about God. Reflect on God. I say that to you because the next place David's going to take us is not the banquet hall, but he takes us to the library, the study. He takes us to the place where you can have deep thoughts and you can really ponder things. He says, the Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. It's this idea that he's, he's gone in there and he looks at the law book and he says, you know what, look here. God's the one who's the righteous judge and he executes his will and his judgment. He grabs another volume. It's a map. It's a, an atlas. And he looks at it and he says, and he has made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. He makes his path clear. He makes the way known. Then he continues on and and I think in these next verses, he's, he's now pulled out his own diary from the shelf. And here he looks at some things from his own life that are written down. And we know that he did write things down. So I don't think that I'm too far off the mark here. And he begins to read some things that sound like other psalms David has written. And as he sits in this space thinking thoughts about God and what God is, you have a long list here. It says, the Lord is, the Lord is, the Lord is, the Lord is, over and over and over. So he's thinking deep thoughts about what and who God is. The Lord is merciful. Boy, David understood that. He's merciful. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is plentiful and plenteous in mercy. Now, God doesn't always chide. He doesn't keep his anger forever. Yet, and David could look at himself and know this was true, and we should hear these words, God has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. He's not dealt with us as they deserve. Nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Another translation says those who love him. I love this next verse. If you haven't highlighted in your Bible, you need to. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. His deep thoughts continue. What's God like? As a father has pity on his children, the Lord has pity on those that fear him. For God knows us. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. We are like a flower of the field, and it flourishes and the wind passes over it, and then it's gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. 
But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. And his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments and do them. For the Lord has prepared his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. So, David has thought about who God is, and here is David, the mightiest king of Israel to his time, acknowledging as he has gone on his quest to bless the Lord that God is a far greater king than he is. And that's also a moment for each of us. The moment where we recognize that God's will is much more important than my will or your will. And that our existence here is for his glory and not our own. Well, David told himself at the beginning of this journey, self, bless the Lord. Self, I want for you, self, to bless the Lord and not to forget what God's done for you. And he has spent this whole journey across his Better Homes and Gardens uh, edition, if you would, telling us all these things about God. And the last place he takes us then is, as we've moved across the palace, we, we see David, I think, step onto the balcony. We've gone from the pit to the balcony now. And here David is about to shout out a lot of things about who God is. And I can just picture him shouting out to all who will hear these words. David shouts out, so bless the Lord. And he looks up into the sky. You angels of heaven, bless the Lord. You that excel in strength, that do God's commandments, that hearken unto the voice of his word, bless the Lord. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, all of you ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all the works in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord. Amen. It's coming. My favorite meal of the year. <laughs> it's coming. You know that last year was especially bitter for me. I got the COVID three days before Thanksgiving and couldn't taste or smell anything on Thanksgiving Day. I had put so, I wanted to taste something so desperately, I put so much salt in my mashed potatoes, I could feel it gritting between my teeth. And it just barely tasted salty. But most of my taste has returned, thank God. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving Day. Imagine if we were to invite uh, David to our Thanksgiving Day, what it might be like, right? I, I can just see uh, this thing where, you know, I don't know about you, like in our family, maybe you're doing this right now, right? So we've already, I, I could pull up the, my phone and show you, right, the text messages of, uh, I'll bring the green bean casserole, and, and someone else, you know, I'll, I'm going to bring the stuffing, and, and uh, you bring the turkey, and you bring this, and you, you bring the pumpkin pie, and I'll make the mashed potatoes, and, and I'm going to make deviled eggs, and, and I'm going to bring sweet tea, and I'm going to bring great, whatever it is, right? And we kind of, if you're a family, you kind of divvy it up, and that's kind of what makes it a neat feast, right? Because it's really hard to do all that by yourself. Some of you who have to do it all, God love you. That's a hard job. 
I could just see what would happen if David was on the list. You see, David would say, this Thanksgiving, I'm going to bring the praise. I'm going to bring the praise. We know that's what he would say. David says it over and over. I'm going to enter the Thanksgiving courts, and I'm going to enter them with praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm going to praise the Lord this Thanksgiving for what God has done. And I think David would be like that. You see, I have this sense that when David walked into the throne room in the banquet hall of heaven, the angels couldn't get him to shut up. He wouldn't stop talking about how great God is. And I can tell you the Bible paints that picture because once when David has, has had victories and God's done great things for David, he marches down the street singing and dancing and gets so crazy with it all that some of his clothes fall off and people make fun of him. But David says, I'm going to bring the praise. I'm not going to forget God this Thanksgiving. I'm going to bring it. I'm going to tell everyone about it. David would say to you this Thanksgiving, remember the Lord. Forget not his benefits and, and forget not what he's done for you. Because I know you. I've seen some of you in the pit. And I've also seen God elevate you to the palace. You know it. Now I recognize there are some of you who the place and place where you are in the journey this Thanksgiving is. You feel like David did in that part, stuck in the miry clay. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. See, God wasn't finished with David. He's not finished with you. This, this morning, if, if, if you're here and that's your circumstance, then we want you to know that we're with you. We would be happy to pray with you, to encourage you. One of the things that David could only guess at, and he did guess at it, was the coming of the Messiah what Jesus was going to bring. David saw God's grace even before the cross, but we see God's grace after it. And we know that he made a way where it seemed there was no way. He did the impossible, and he did it for us. Maybe this morning... As you reflect over your own life and you walk through the rooms of your life, maybe you think, my life doesn't belong in a better homes and gardens. It's not pretty. It's not fancy looking. It's pretty, uh, well, it might be better on the National Enquirer. <laughs> David's story would have maybe looked better in some true crime TV show or novel. But God changed David's story. And God wants to change yours. If you want to let God change your story, let him be your Lord and your Savior. If you've never accepted him, accept him today. And if you have accepted him, then lean into him this Thanksgiving in ways you haven't before. Whatever decision you have to make, will you make it right now as we stand and we sing our hymn of